Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. So, the rest of that story is that I brought the book home from the supermarket. I kind of forgot about it. It was dinner time. We have six kids. It was dinner time. It was kind of crazy, and we got everybody to bed. And I went to go upstairs to bed and thought, oh, I forgot to look at that book. So I went back downstairs in the dark of the house, clicked on the kitchen light and opened it up and read it to myself and started cracking up laughing. And my husband is like, you're reading a picture book to yourself and laughing out loud. I'm like, look at this book. This is so, I mean, that's how delightful the illustrations are. listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 69 of the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Today's episode is going to appeal especially to our young writers and artists. We're meeting a longtime favorite author and illustrator today, and she's going to give us a bit of behind the scenes into how she makes her books. But before we get to that conversation, I want to make sure you know that Read Aloud Revival Premium Access is opening up enrollment soon. We only open enrollment twice a year at Premium Access Membership, so you don't want to miss it. It's hard to connect with our kids in this busy, noisy, crazy world, right? But sharing books with our kids gives us a chance to be fully and completely present. I'm a busy homeschooling mom of six myself. So believe me when I say that I know that when life feels crazy, spending a few minutes reading to my kids, even those who can read to themselves, maybe especially to those who can read to themselves, is the best and most important thing I do all day. The great news is that connecting with our kids through books is easier than you might think. In Read Aloud Revival Premium Access, we do it in three simple steps. First, equipping ourselves with masterclasses, cheat sheets, and book lists. Second, by inspiring our kids with live video streams with the best authors and illustrators around, as well as whole family workshops on writing and illustrating taught by published authors and illustrators. And third, connecting with like-minded families who are doing the same thing we are. It's $15 a month. Enrollment opens just twice a year. We're opening the doors again in October. If you want to make sure you don't miss out when that happens, get on the waiting list. You can do that by popping your email into the page at rarmembership.com. That's rarmembership.com. Okay, are you ready? Then let's get into today's interview. I can't wait. If you and your kids have ever gone on a bear hunt, you are well familiar with today's guest. 
Helen Oxenbury is an illustrator and writer. You might know her books. She's worked on as a farmer duck. There's going to be a baby. And of course, we're going on a bear hunt. She created some of my very, very favorite board books that are the Tom and Pippo series. She's also illustrated the new book, The Giant Jumperee, which is, I am completely convinced, destined to become a classic. She's a two-time winner and four-time runner-up for the annual Kate Greenaway Medal, the British Librarian's Award for Illustration. And for the 50th anniversary of that medal, her 1999 illustrated edition of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was named one of the top 10 winning works. She lives in North London with her husband, John Burningham. You'll know him too, as he is the brilliant author and illustrator behind the Mr. Gumpy series. Those are favorites in my house. I'm thrilled to have Helen Oxenbury with us today. Helen, welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. Thank you. It's lovely to talk to you. Oh, it's so wonderful to talk to you as well. Do you have any idea at this point how many books you've illustrated? Do you know I absolutely have no idea. <laughs> I, I could, had I known you were going to ask this question, I could have found out. But just off the top of my head, no, I have no idea, I'm afraid. Okay, so tell but us. I, I, think it's, I think it's getting... Oh, gosh, close to the 100, Mark. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I was, I was actually kind of poking around looking to see how many books of yours I don't know about. And we have so many of them in our house. And oh, my goodness, a lot. You have a lot of books under your belt. <laughs> well, I know. But, let, you know, that, that 45 years worth of work. Yeah, 45 so years. It has wow. to be quite a lot. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you and your family before we launch into talking about your illustrations and your children's books. Right. Uh, so you and you live in North London with John Burningham. Okay, so this is a little backstory too. I had no idea you were married to John Burningham until we were getting ready to talk to you. And I just squealed out loud when I figured that out because I thought, <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding. I love his work as well. So Yes. I, he, really, I suppose he's the, the reason that I, that I started doing children's books because I didn't actually study illustration. I studied theatre design at art school, which is where we met. And it was only after I'd worked sort of several years in the theatre and films and television that we, we started a family. And it was impossible for me to do any sort of work in television and everything because I wanted to be with the children. And I'd watched John do several children's books at that point, And I thought, well, uh, perhaps you know I have a go at that. And it was something I could do at home. And I loved it straight away and thought, yes, this is really what I want to do. So how many kids do you have? Three. Three. Okay. So wonderful. So they grew up with both of their parents making children's books. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. I know. And you're going to ask me if, I, if we read our books to the children. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's very strange. But we don't. We didn't. Really? And uh, no. Uh, I think, you know, you've you've had enough by the time you've done a book. And um, to actually sort of read it to the children every night is just uh, not on there. We read a lot of a lot to them, but not our books. What kind of books did you like to read to them? Well, they loved... Do you know the um, Rupert Bear? No. Stories? No? I, I don't know. Rupert no, Bear. I think, I think they're very English, actually. Okay. But they love those. Do you know the Barbar? Yeah, they loved those, and they loved Dr. Zeus. Of course. Yes, you know, you must know him. And Tintin, 
Oh, yes. Yes, but really, no, we, we didn't sort of read our books to them. I can imagine it, that. Uh, I can imagine after you have spent so many hours poring over these it, books that you think, yeah, I'm exactly. done with that. <laughs> that's, Did, exactly the, the, that's exactly right, yes. That you want to, <laughs> to read something fresh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you draw a lot when you were growing up? Yes, I suppose I did. I was away from school and sort of nursery school and primary school a lot when I was young because I had asthma rather badly. And so I spent a lot of time at home. And, you know, because there was no television in those days, and really not even radio. Mm. My parents had radio, but um, I was sort of in another room. And I was given lots of bits of paper and crayons and pencils and sort of got on with it. So I did, yes, I did a lot of drawing as a child. You and John together collaborated on the book, There's Going to Be a Baby. Tell me about the experience of making a book together. Well, it it was all right, I suppose. (laughs) Um, It was very much the same as doing a book with anybody else. We sort of talked about it a lot at the beginning to get the story right and to get the format right and the and the text and all that sort of thing, together with the art director. But then when all that was decided, I was sort of just left on my own to get on with it, which is what I would, you know, which is what I wanted anyway. It's very, it's not um, easy to have somebody looking over your shoulder mm-hmm. saying, oh, I didn't think you, you know, I didn't see it like that, or, <laughs> oh, I wish you'd done her differently. And I don't think I could work like that. But, uh, but John knows that. And he left me alone. This is very good. So he did the illust- or he did the you did the writing together, and then you did the illustrations on that one. Is that right? right? And I, I did the illustrations. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that because we talked to a lot of picture book writers and illustrators at Read Aloud Revival, and it's interesting to hear how well it makes sense to hear how important it is for an illustrator just to be let alone with text to create the pictures as they see them in their mind. So I wondered with you being yes. in the same home, how that would be someone saying, that's not what I thought yes. it should be like. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it, I can see it could have been trouble, but we did avoid it somehow. Yeah. when well, he knew because he's an artist too, right? So he knew that, exactly, that was important. Yes, he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm really excited to talk about your newest book, The Giant Jumpery. This is my favorite picture book of the year, for sure. I picked it up randomly when I was at the supermarket, actually getting groceries. <laughs> or actually, I can't remember what I went to go to the grocery store for or something else. And I saw it there and I saw Julia Donaldson and Helen Oxenbury on the cover and I didn't even flip through it. I just grabbed it and bought it. Like That's going to be something we have to have for our shelf right there. I just knew with the names on the cover. Uh, lovely, yes. Yeah. I think Julia Donaldson, of course, writes really delightful text, but your the expressions that you put on the animals' faces in that book are just priceless. So tell me about illustrating that book. I heard that she requested you specifically to illustrate. Yes, I gosh, it's not marvelous to hear because I'm, I'm such an admirer of her work as a writer for children. And gosh, I absolutely jumped at it. But what attracted me most, of course, was this, those animals. And I just knew that I could, I could add to the character of the, the animals. She, she doesn't go into much description about them, which is wonderful for an illustrator because you then can put in the extra bits with illustration. Yes. And I think the facial expressions really get added depth to the characters in that book. So 
I read it. So the rest of that story is that I brought the book home from the supermarket. That night, I kind of forgot about it. It was dinner time. We have six kids. It was dinner time. It was kind of crazy. And we got everybody to bed. And I went to go upstairs to bed and thought, oh, I forgot to look at that book. So I went back downstairs in the dark of the house, clicked on the kitchen light and opened it up and read it to myself and started cracking up laughing. And my husband is like, you're reading a picture book to yourself and laughing out loud. I'm like, look at this book. This is so, I mean, that's how delightful the illustrations are. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Oh. It, how it started out, it didn't finish up in that in the same way. It did evolve, which is what often happens with a children's book. You can, you sort of do some illustration. And these, oh, no, you know, I could see that it could be done in another way. And um, so you scrap what you've done. And, and that's how, I, how it went along. And it was, uh, it was great fun. Loved it. That makes me wonder, how long did it take you to illustrate that book? Do you remember? Well, from the beginning to end, from the first sort of thinking about the size of the book and all that sort of thing, mm -hmm. I should think it's probably about a year. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think what I hear uh, often. Does that seem pretty standard for you, like about a year to work with a book? Yes, I think it is now. Um, when I was younger, I used to often do two or three books a year. Oh, wow. But I don't seem to be able to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite book you've ever worked on? The, the Jumperie comes quite close to the top, but there's another one I really had such fun doing and loved doing, and it was called So Much. I don't think I've seen that um, one. It, well, it was lovely. I mean, I, I, it, was all, it was about people. Okay. Um, no, no animals, but, uh, well, I, I, perhaps you should <laughs> I just I found it. advise you to go and get it. Yeah, is it by uh, Trish Cook, that one? Trish Cook, that's right. Okay, yeah. I'm getting it right now. I just put it in my cart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it looks yeah. lovely. I can see how, okay, yeah, I love it. That was great fun. I did, I, I enjoyed doing the bear hunt. We're going on a bear hunt. And, and I enjoyed doing Alice, although Alice I found quite alarming to start with until I got into it. What because made it alarming? It been, well, it had been done so many times by so many wonderful illustrators. And I, I just thought, well, why am I doing this again? What, you know, what can I contribute to this uh, wonderful story? And I think in the end, you have to think, well, just stop thinking about it and just get on and do it, and, which is what I did. But I suppose my plan was to make it much more of a picture book and therefore much more accessible for children today because... It's quite wordy. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think it did need the help of illustrations. And your illustrations in that one are... I love Alice in particular because she looks very much like a girl that kids today could relate to, like could imagine well, themselves being, you know. Yes. Uh, she's much more sort of relaxed and easy within herself. I mean, I love Tenniel's drawings. I'm sure everybody in the end will go back to Tenniel as an illustrator of Alice. but. I find some I find it a little bit frightening and Alice a little bit stiff. 
We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Are you? Do you use watercolor when you're illustrating? Uh, yes. Well, I think the um, the text rather indicates what medium one should use. Okay. For instance, there's so much book that I was I was talking to you about. It definitely needed. Well, it's a paint called gouache, and it's quite a heavy heavy paint and very dense, but very sort of vibrant colours. Where something like we're going on a bear hunt, which is landscapes, I think lends itself to watercolor. So right. I sort of rather get I get led by the the atmosphere of the text. Yeah, I'm looking at a lot of the covers and illustrations of your books, just kind of skimming here the ones that I love and the ones that I've never seen. And I can see how the watercolor has a softer appearance, maybe. Is that the right word? I'm not sure if that's the right word. Yes, it needs... You can get a lot of um, atmosphere with watercolor. Yeah. With gouache, it is... You get just strong shapes and colors. Yeah. Which suits some stories. There's another book I illustrated in gouache was... um, um, Big Mama Makes the World by Phyllis Root. Yes, I've seen that Did one. You, mm-hmm. Yes, that also lent itself, I think, to gouache. Difficult to explain, but it, it's just a feeling you get when you read the text, and it, it's almost immediate too. Really? Wow. Okay, so you just know you read the text and think, yes, okay, if I'm yes, going to make this one, I know. Of, yeah. You can immediately see how it would look in uh, the watercolor of gouache. You do both illustrating other people's books, of course, and your own books that you write the book yourself, do you have a preference to illustrating your own or illustrating someone else's? Or is it... It is easier illustrating other, somebody else's. Oh, interesting. Because you, you've got something to start with. Yeah. When you write your own, it's absolutely a blank canvas. And it is quite tricky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that, uh, you know, that it's the first, getting the first idea onto the page. And then... As all good stories should have, beginning, middle, and an end. And I find the ending of stories is terribly, terribly difficult. 
Interesting. Why do you think makes the ending so difficult? Well, you've got to have an idea is, you know, you get to have lots of ideas, but to actually make it into a story with a good ending, a satisfying ending, mm-hmm. is very difficult. I... And I think Julia Donaldson does that beautifully. She does. And I yeah. think uh, my husband John also it does that rather well. Yes. Yeah, it, like at the end of the Mr. Gumby books, their picnic. And <laughs> yes, it's always it's going to be satisfying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and um, not, you know, it's obviously quite uplifting too, I think. I mean, you don't want to leave a child feeling low or depressed yeah. with a story. I really think that's the mark of an excellent book is when you finish it and you have sort of a... Even books that end up being, you know, heavy or sad in contents. I think the really best writers and illustrators still leave you at the very end with this underlying sense of hope and satisfaction. So I think... Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think so. I, I really love so. your the way you draw babies in particular. You seem to have a particular gift for drawing babies especially well. Do you use like memories of your own children as babies as inspiration? Or did you draw a lot of these when they were babies? Or you just have a gift for that really baby toddler age. Well... Actually, I've, I've just got very recently two new babies in the family, and I'm getting all sort of baby book minded at the moment. Oh yeah, I bet <laughs> grandbabies. <laughs> yes, yes. I lo- I just I just love looking at them. I think they're absolutely amazing little things, <laughs> and um, and it's a sort of it's wonderful to draw them. I mean, I, one never quite gets it right, but. You know, it's lovely to try. I also really appreciate how so many of your books, your board books with babies, show a diversity in them, like Tickle Tickle, just as one example. But I mean, so many of them. There's, I love that so much. So that no matter who's reading this book to their little babies, their babies are going to see themselves and they're going to see their families inside the illustrations. I love that. Yes, yes. And it it is what is absolutely extraordinary is how young they can actually appreciate looking at these big board books that I did mm-hmm. at Sirius. Mm-hmm. You know, six, seven months old, they love them. Yes. And years ago, they were considered sort of vegetables at that age. <laughs> you know, you didn't, you know, of course you don't show them books, seven months old, six months old. <laughs> but they, they do, they, they really look at them and love them. They do, they do. And then they continue to, because I have twin boys now who are four, and they will continue to look at the board books they loved as babies, and they can recite a lot of them from memory. Yes, yes. And they're just like sponges, you know, they love it. I love especially, there's a, a set of your board books that's called Baby Love that has four of those board books we're talking about. I'm going to put those in the a link to those. And by the way, listeners, when you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and head to Read Aloud Revival. Dot com and look for this episode because we will have links to a lot of Helen's work there in the show notes so that you can find the books we're talking about without having to dig around on your own. We'll just make it really easy for you to find them. Can we talk a little bit about what you use? I know you said, so you use watercolors. Now I can't remember the other kind of paint you said you use. What was that called? Well, it's called gouache. Gouache. Okay. G-A-U-C-H-E, I think. Okay. Or do you have any like favorite, you know, pens or pencils or watercolor brands or anything. I'm asking because we have a lot of young aspiring artists in 
who listen to the Read Aloud Revival, and they love to know what their favorite artists use. Use, yes. <clears throat> well, it's terribly uninteresting and, <laughs> and not very exciting at all. As long as I've got a series of lovely sharp lead pencils and a box, honestly, it can be even a child's box of watercolors and some good watercolor paper, I'm fine. That's, that's, that's all I need. Of course, if, you, if I'm doing something with gouache, then I would need a whole range of tubes of paint. But I really don't sort of need very much. I love that because that is something that our young illustrators and artists can do probably with a lot of the, the materials they already have stashed away in their home, right? Yes, probably. Yes. Um, it's quite important, I think, the, to get good quality paper because if you get sort of rotten quality, it all sort of wrinkles and screws up and it's rather depressing. So get good quality paper. But on top of that, you know, you don't need much else. I mean, you can crayons is fine, but nothing too uh, sophisticated or elaborate. I almost forgot I wanted to ask you this question about babies because we were talking about you drawing babies. Okay, so the book that probably most of our listeners have definitely read, probably they have it in their house even, is the board book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt, written by Michael yeah, Rosen. Yeah. So I heard a rumor that the author had more royal characters in mind, and then you turned them into children. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, he did. He, I think he saw the a line of kings and queens and jesters and that sort of thing, I think, if I'm right. And I couldn't see it that way at all. But fortunately, like all the lovely authors that I've worked with, he left me on my own and let me do it as I wanted to. Um, and my publisher said, you know, fine, you know, you have to do it the way you see it. And so, so I did. And I saw it in the end as a family, a family outing. But I didn't want to include adults. But everybody thinks the older brother is the father which um, doesn't matter, but I didn't actually intend it to be the father. So you you intended it to be a group of children? Just a group of children with yeah. an older brother Yeah, and yeah. with his siblings. I love that. You know what? I, I thought it was the father too, but just thinking through and the illustrations. Does. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that it's the older brother. Yes, he can work with the, as a father. It doesn't really matter, but that was my intention. It makes more sense saying it as an older brother, because it just makes more sense to have a group of children exploring. I don't know. It's such a fun read. My kids never get tired of that book. I don't know how many, I would say hundreds of times I've read it, but I'm sure it's hundreds of, <laughs> hundreds I, of times. You know, I, I, can't, I think it's absolutely extraordinary. When I did it, I had no idea that it would be so loved by children. Absolute sort of total surprise. Well, I think it's partly the repetition. It's partly that it's like, especially with my really young kids, it's the excitement that they know what's coming. You know, the swishy, swashy, swishy. They can say it all. But also, they always want to make sure that they get back to the house. (laughs) And then then that final page where the bear is walking back home, my four-year-old twins always say, oh, he just wanted to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's right. And that wasn't in the text. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They just picked that up and decided that was what 
That is what that bear yes. looks like to them, his posture of kind of like bummed out. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's so disappointed. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, he goes he does go through all the lots of sort of the adventure and a little bit of little bit of fear, which is no bad thing. And then the excitement and then the uh, and the action too is, is great and the re- repetition of the verse. And then there's this terrible run back home with uh, and getting into bed. And it's sort of, again, it's that satisfying end. Yes, exactly. That satisfying end. That's an important piece yeah. I think we're uncovering. Yeah. So many of your books include animals. And I know that kids listening today would love to know what your favorite animal is. <laughs> Do you have a favorite or a favorite to I, draw maybe? I don't have a favorite. No, I've had dogs all my life and I would never be without one. Okay. I, they are just, ah. Oh the most wonderful company that you can think of. But I love, I really do love all animals and I'm interested in all animals from the largest, from the sort of the biggest elephant to the tiniest little mouse. I just, I'm not sort of, I don't find any of them repulsive or anything. I think they're remarkable. Do you find animals or people are harder to draw? I think probably people and there's such a variety of animals. And, for instance, a giraffe is the most difficult thing to to draw. Its legs bend in all the extraordinary way. But probably people are, are more difficult because everybody uh, knows what a person looks like. <laughs> and um, you've jolly well got to get it right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so for kids who are listening and would like to draw more animals in their own illustrations, their own drawings. Do you have any tips? Do you look at pictures of real animals when you draw? Or Sometimes, sometimes. But I, I, my studio is very near London Zoo, and I go there a lot. And I think what I would say was just look at animals. Just, just look at them. See how they fit together. See how their legs are, are fitted onto their hips and their how their heads are fitted onto their shoulders. I mean, that's really the key, is just looking and practicing, I suppose, really. Practicing and looking. Okay, so and that's one of the things I think I, think I notice in a lot of your work. So I'm thinking back to uh, one of your board books, Eating Out. Oh, yes. Okay, so what I love about this as a parent is, so for anyone who's listening and has not seen this book, it's basically a book where the mom is too tired to cook, so they go out to supper as a family. But then, of course, you know, someone has to use the bathroom and someone falls. And so it's just, it's a disaster. Like every time my husband and I take our kids out to eat, it's a disaster. So I have (laughs) a a strong affection for this book. Because what I feel like is so many of your books are you looking at the world and then giving us this fresh vision and helping us see it, see the things that are all around us. Like I can see how so much of what you draw is just the things that you've seen, but it somehow gives me, the reader, a fresh vision into my own life. Yes, of course, it's first-hand experience. And um, <laughs> also, the adults, they think that going for a ride in the car is going to be as restful and as <laughs> such a break <laughs> as for the child as, as it is for them. And of course, it's not. And the ch- child will sit in the back and look at the scenery, or it's, um, it's a lovely thing for adults to do. And also going to a restaurant, the child would so much prefer to have, oh, I don't know, mum's home cooking, 
But of course, it's a treat for parents to go out. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, we have to, we rather sort of try to force children to do things because we like to do them. And it's really not a childlike thing to do at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and every time we do it, my husband and I look at each other like, why did we think this was actually going to be restful? This is more exhausting exactly. than making a yeah. pot of spaghetti. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, and one never learns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Find yourself doing it again and again. I know. And so, <laughs> saying at the end, no, never again. <laughs> That's so true. So, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? At, right at this very moment, I'm not working on anything, believe it or not. But, I mean, there is a twinkle in my eye, which I don't, I never sort of talk about when it's at the twinkle stage. So, there is something, but it's not, nothing's been put on paper yet. Love that. Twinkle in your eye. Well, we will definitely not insist that you share your twinkle with us. We'll just wait for you to bring your gift to the world and then we'll all rush out to see it because your work never fails to disappoint. So, well, Helen, thank you so, so very much. This has been a lovely conversation. I'm really excited to share it with the people in the Read Aloud Revival community. And what fun. I don't think I've ever called some, this is going to sound funny. I don't think I've ever called someone for the show who's in London or England or overseas at all, actually. So this has been kind of a fun thing for me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, it's been lovely for me. It's so nice talking to you. Well, it's been lovely to chat with you as well. And I can't wait to see what you make next. Thank you so much for joining me. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. What's your name? Simon and Michael Jr. Hauser. Simon and Michael Jr. Hauser, how old are you? Two. Two? You're a big boy. Where do you live? With your mama. With your mommy and your daddy? Can we do family? Can we what's do your... again? Okay, what's your favorite book? What's the blue truck? The little blue truck, what's your favorite part? All the blue truck. The little blue truck is your favorite part. Can we do it again? You want to read it again? Okay. I'm Vivian from Oregon. One of my favorite books is Adventures with Fossils. There are lots of funny parts, like when Swell's grandpa pretends a rolling pin is a bazooka, and when they try to put a horse on the boat, we all laughed a lot. My name is Silas. I'm five years old. My favorite book is Dash. He he can run on water. Hi, my name is Diego, and I'm from Ontario, Canada, and I'm four years old. And my favorite book is Peter Pan that my mother has read out loud to me. And I like it because it has Buddy in it. And there's a crocodile in it, and it's fierce by J.M. Barry. Say hi, my name is Isabel. Hi, Isabel. And I'm two years old. I'm old. And I'm from Ontario, Canada. Ontario, Canada. And my favorite book what? is uh, Mockingbird. Mockingbird. By Alan Albert. And why do you like the book? Because there's a baby in it? Yeah. yeah. My name is Gracie, and I'm five years old, and I live in California. 
And my favorite book is uh, Peachick's Potter. And my favorite part of it is when the rats uh, get the rolly pits out of it and the butter out of it. Bye. Hi, I'm Isaac. I'm 11 years old and I live in California. And one of my favorite books is Mystery of the Roman Ransom. It is a funny book that takes place in ancient Rome. My favorite part is when Rufus escapes the catacombs with a lion to save his friends. Hi, I'm Asher. I live in California and I'm eight years old. One of my favorite books is Weird But True series by National Geographic Kids. One of the facts I learned was that chewing gum can put you in a better mood. Hello, I am. My name is Olive Davis, and I'm five years old. And my favorite book is Amelia Bedelia. What I like about it is that when Mr. Um, says bear right, she turns on the left because he thought a bear was on the right. And I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Hi, my name is Noelle. I live in California and I'm six years old and I'm, my favorite book is Amanda Pig because they sell lemonade to people, Amanda and my best friend Lollipop. So wonderful. Thank you, thank you, kids. If your kids would like to leave a message for the Read Aloud Revival, go to readaloudrevival.com and look for the Start Recording button on the lower left hand of the page. That's where your kids can leave a message. We air every single one that we get in the order it's received, and we'd especially love to hear from some older kids and teens. So, I don't know, buy your teens a milkshake or a pizza or something to tell us what they're reading. (laughs) Okay, anyway, we all want to know. So don't miss your chance to join Read Aloud Revival Premium Access Membership. It's truly where you can get the very best resources and experiences to help you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids. You can get on the waiting list, no commitment or anything. It's just a way for you to hear when we open up enrollment. Since we only open up twice a year, you don't want to miss it. Get on that waiting list at rarmembership.com. And hey, until next week, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Thank you.